Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert to discuss the latest and greatest in digital marketing. Today, we're interviewing Melissa Riley and Rachel Monfrey about the 2021 Q4 Digital Marketing Report and the 2022 Q2 Media Insights Report. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed. And I'm Andrea McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Musings, Season 2. Today, we're joined by Melissa and Rachel to talk about the Q4 DMR and Q2 Media Insights Report. Melissa is an Associate Director of Marketing Communications at Merkle. She's been in performance marketing for over 12 years, managing paid search accounts, primarily in the retail vertical. As an Associate Director on the Merkle Digital Strategy Team, Rachel works with clients across tech, financial services, nonprofit, and retail verticals to build audience narratives and multi-platform engagement strategies. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having us back. Of course. So, uh, Melissa, let's start with the Digital Marketing Report and starting off with some historical trends from, from Q4 that we saw. We heard a lot over the last few years with COVID, um, especially still going into the third year of this pandemic, uh, that digital advertising spend continues to ramp up uh, both in a cost per basis and with the amount of investment that brands are, are just willing to pump into digital. Um, is that still the case from what we're seeing or have we started to see any sort of normalization in the space? That's a great question. And I think to start, um, just going to lay the foundation for anyone that didn't listen to our Q3 episode first, consider going back and listening to it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> for those that didn't hear it, um, I just kind of want to set the scene a little bit. So in Q3, CPC and CPM were up really significantly year over year in basically every channel and every format. Um, and we're talking 40 plus percent year over year cost per increases for paid search, Facebook, um, 80% up for Amazon sponsored brands. So pretty significant jumps. So I think seeing that in Q3 and even a little bit in Q2, advertisers were kind of bracing themselves heading into Q4, the busy holiday season, um, expecting that trend to continue and having really elevated cost pers just across digital. Um, interestingly, what we ended up seeing was more modest CPC and CPM growth, and that was also across the board. So um, Facebook, for example, had CPM up just 8% year over year, um, and Google search CPC was up just 13% over year over year. Um, and I think there were a few things that really played into this. Um, first, advertisers were facing some really unique challenges in Q4 in terms of supply chain and staffing shortages. Um, and that influenced some marketers to really um, pull back on spend or maybe even pause ad spend altogether a little bit earlier than they might normally for Q4. And they weren't just overall, they weren't necessarily leaning in as heavily in digital as you might expect for the holiday season. And then on the consumer side, we saw holiday shopping start a little bit earlier than we're used to. Um, I think some of that is a holdover from 2020 behavior. Um, for those that don't remember, in 2020, Prime Day happened in October, um, and that kind of kicked off an early shopping season for the holidays. Um, so I think there might have been a little bit of that same behavior that carried into 2021. Um, but also the supply chain challenges facing brands were really well publicized. I think 
the general public was much more aware of those potential challenges and had some concern that they would get um, items in time. So with those factors combined, plus the fact that we saw more interest um, from shoppers heading in store to purchase again, um, that just made the the digital space a little bit less competitive um, than we were expecting from a cost per, per basis. So it sounds like you had mentioned that there was more offline sales, which is probably a more of a return to normal uh, in Q4, which also mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense with holiday shopping and, and whatnot. What other areas saw continued growth in Q4? Um, there were definitely a few bright spots. Um, some, I'll call them emerging platforms, although some of them have been around for a little bit at this point. They saw some growth uh, year over year. So looking at um, paid social, TikTok captured 4% of spend for participating brands. Um, and I realized that 4% doesn't sound like a lot, but it's the most that we have seen all year. Um, and it's an area that I think will really continue to grow. Um, TikTok is still in the stage of developing their offering for advertisers. Um, so I think brands are starting to see a way to monetize that channel more effectively and really reach that uh, broad user base that they've built up. And then outside of TikTok, Connected TV was another bright spot. Um, and in Q4, we saw uh, 22% of spend um, go to connected TV for brands that were advertising through that device. Um, and similar to TikTok, this is another area I expect to keep growing, um, just knowing that con- consumers are continuing to cut the cord, turn to streaming a little bit more than linear TV. I think as measurement capabilities continue to evolve and new streaming platforms come out, what seems like every month, um, there's just a lot of opportunity in that space and it's becoming more and more enticing for advertisers. And then looking outside of platforms, thinking more about verticals, um, travel continued to see really good year-over-year performance across channels. And it was really interesting. We actually saw for both paid and organic search, um, traffic levels kind of returned to where they were in 2019, um, which I think was a really good sign for brands operating in that space. Um, right. I should I should note that it doesn't mean that actual booked travel has fully rebounded, but the interest is definitely there from a search standpoint. Something that I read recently in terms of booking travel, Expedia's CEO said that he expects summer 2022 to be the busiest travel season ever. I don't know if that's based on... Um, bookings that have already been made or not. But anecdotally, it seems like people are really trying to book travel based on dips in cases across either where they're living, the region they're living, or across multiple regions. So um, interesting there that those search trends and what Expedia CEO is saying and anecdotally what I'm seeing with some of my friends seems to all be lining up. Andrea and I were just talking about uh, booking a lot of travel for this year, so we're definitely yep. on trend there as well. Yep. So, Rachel, switching um, gears a little bit, looking at the Media Insights Report for Q2, one of the topics that it focuses on a lot is personalization. And of course, this is a hot topic with the continued impending deprecation of the third party cookie. Um, And with this change in the industry, what tools do advertisers have available to still incorporate personalization into uh, their marketing delivery? That's a really good question. Personalization is important across all verticals. It helps ensure loyalty, it increases sales, and it improves the customer experience. While first-party data is a preferred choice, there are a few different options for tools when those third-party cookies go away. 
contextual targeting, interest-based targeting, and uh, second-party data are all options that can be leveraged. Contextual targeting is a good option because it can feel less intrusive to users, and interest targeting, uh, which takes advantage of platform user data, can help find the right audience. Can you describe maybe some examples across um, different verticals or um, just kind of paint a picture for us for how advertising can be more personalized? Like, like maybe what does a really basic version look like all the way up to like a really well-personalized ad? Definitely. There's a scale that exists with personalization, uh, something that might be towards the left or the least personal side of the scale would be display retargeting. Something around the middle of the scale would be tailoring relevant content based on search history and something all the way to the right or the most personal could be something that not only includes the customer's name, but an indication about a past purchase. So for example, a call to action, like it's time to restock if they bought some sort of product X weeks or months ago that the company generally knows that it takes that long to use said product, uh, or showing an item that might complement one that they recently purchased. So, so really driving home the idea that the company understands what that customer is looking for, what they need, what they want in that moment. So this next question I'm really excited about, uh, Rachel, influencers. This was all over our Media Insights report. And obviously, it's a big topic for us to cover in just a few questions. Um, While we're all aware of influence from a content consumption perspective, could you describe options available to brands who are interested in working with influencers and and their perspective? Definitely. Uh, Before before I get into that, I'm curious, though, has anyone here purchased anything after seeing an influencer promote it? I have. Uh Uh, What was it? I follow It's Me Tinks on Instagram, and she always does rich mom walks, and Mm -hmm. she wears these, like, weighted bracelets on her her wrist Mm -hmm. uh, from, like, Bala, I think is the brand name, and I was influenced, and I I bought them after after seeing them from her. (laughs) I love that. Um, I think... Anyone else? uh, well, actually, so for Christmas, my sister got me the Rubbermaid reveal and the like pink stuff after seeing it all over TikTok, and oh, yeah. I would would be lying if I say I didn't like scrub my apartment with that. So it's very <laughs> clean still. Uh, I didn't actually purchase it, but I got it as a gift, and it it was me to a T. I'm I've, I'm kind of like a neat freak in my personal life. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've ever purchased anything after um, seeing it from an influencer, but maybe it was such a seamless product promotion that Ah. I didn't even notice. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) To do a a real look back at what you've purchased. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. All right, I'll get back to your question. There's a few different tiers of influencers that brands can work with. Um, These range from nano influencers. Those are influencers with about 500 to 1,000 followers, all the way up to mega influencers, usually celebrities with 1 million plus followers. I think it's really great that a brand can have an impactful campaign with influencers with that smaller, smaller level of followership. Um, those smaller audiences are usually more interested and more engaged. So again, making for that um, impactful moment with customers. 
Awesome. So follow-up question, and this kind of pertains to where brands can expect their place in the funnel for, for the influencers, potential ROI, all those sorts of things. Um, how do influencers tie into campaign goals and performance? Like, how do we measure that? Yeah. Uh, so definitely just starting with a few factors to consider when selecting an influencer to work with. There are a ton of service and services and platforms, too, that can help with this decision. Um, but if we boil it down to micro-influencers, which should be 50,000 or fewer followers, versus macro and mega-influencers, 500,000-plus followers, micro-influencers are more available. They tend to be more budget-friendly. They have really tailored communities, which is important when considering the vertical that you're in, the product or service that you're hoping to promote. And they tend to have more consumer trust. Those macro and mega influencers have mass reach and recognition in their favor, but they're more expensive and less tailored to a specific interest. In terms of measurement, conversion is a great piece to look at. Um, but even before that, just thinking about which, um, which influencers to work with, looking at how many followers they have, what their follower base is made up of, and what engagement looks like on the posts um, that they're currently putting out are all important elements too. Definitely. So an all polite question here, wrapping up with the last, the last question we have for both of you, a commonality that we're seeing really across both reports is this bright spot for brands seeing success in investing into new channels or platforms or content types. For any brand out there, really looking for recommendations for their 2022 digital testing roadmap. What are your top recommendations and maybe some caveats um, for advertisers to look into this year? Yeah, I can jump in first on that. Um, so I already kind of um, alluded to these two areas, but I think TikTok and connected TV are areas that brands should consider this year. In both cases, the user bases are large and growing, and I think it's valuable to at least start thinking about strategies for these channels and how the folks that are part of the user base might align to your brand and even consider, you know, wading into the channels a little bit, testing um, if you haven't invested any ad dollars there before. There are so many channels to reach different audiences. So very important for brands to be thoughtful about where they spend their time and their budgets. So in addition to what Melissa said about TikTok and uh, CTV, audio, the metaverse, influencers, <laughs> those are all more avenues to reach customers from this small small sample size, it seems like, influencers work. Um, a major caveat, though, uh, it's important to think through your audience, the message, the campaign goal when selecting these new channels. Yeah, and kind of building on that and tying back to um, what Rachel was talking about earlier with personalization, no matter what channel you're thinking about, whether it's new, established, whatever, um, I think personalization is really going to be the name of the game this year. Consumers are choosing to share their data with us. And if they're going to do that, they're expecting brands to give them personalized experiences in return. So I think that's really important to think about um, just in general, no matter what channel we're talking about. Perfect. Well, Melissa, Rachel, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure having you guys on to talk about the Digital Marketing Report and Media Insights Report. Uh, looking forward to talking with you guys again in the next quarter. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks so much for thank having you. us. This brings us to the end of this episode of Digital Marketing Musings. If you have an idea for an episode for our 2022 season, we would love to hear it. Just drop us a note at digitalmarketingmusings at merkelink.com. 
And as always, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and rate and review our show. It helps others find us. And please be sure to tell a friend about us as well. This episode was produced by Merkel with sound and video editing by Craig Zagurski. Our team includes copywriting by Melissa Riley, graphic design by Garrett Rupel, website support by Ted Lonsack, and social media and promotion by Gina Astrop and Andrea Ratter. And of course, tune in next time as we continue our gaming series with an episode on esports. Until then, I'm Andrew McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.